Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Good morning. Buenos dias. Greetings to our live stream and podcast family. What a privilege to share God's word uh, with you today. As usual, you can follow along the outline of today's message through your Bible app. Or if you'd prefer a printed outline, you can grab one from the box there in the back. We're going to continue pressing into Christology, which is our 2023 theme, right? All this year, we are taking a look through the Bible at Christology. So why don't we just go ahead and say all together our 2023 memory verse. Are we ready? I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Revelation 1, 8. Erase. I am. Very good. In Espanol. Yo soy el alfa y la omega, el principio y el fin. Apocalipsis 1.8. Bórralo. Ready? Yo soy. Apocalipsis. Come on, come on, let's say Apocalipsis. If you have trouble pronouncing Spanish, just say Apocalipsis. Apocalypsis today. And so, because Jesus is the beginning and the end, el principio y el fin, right? This year, as we read through the Bible, and again, uh, we've been, we're, we're using the Life Journal Bible reading plan this year, so join in with us, if you will. But as we read through the Bible in 2023, we are finding, that's right, finding Jesus from cover to cover. Estamos descubriendo a Jesucristo de principio a fin. Very good. So, question. Be honest, you don't have to raise your hand, but is anyone afraid of flying? (laughs) It's a lot of honesty. (laughs) Now, I don't mean like flying. Last time I checked, humans can't fly yet, but as in like getting on a plane. Anybody afraid of getting on a plane? How about a train? I'm a little more scared of that. (laughs) How about on a boat? How about on I-75 at 5 (laughs) o'clock? Yeah. The freeway is scarier than everything, right? You know, me too. And as many planes as I've been on, probably at least 100. One time I flew from Los Angeles to Sydney, Australia. At that time, it it, it still is one of the longest flights in, in the world. I've been across the Atlantic, across the Pacific, all over the place, and I'm still scared. <laughs> I still feel a little bit of hesitation every time. I got to walk down the jetway and touch the plane and bless it in Jesus' name, right? Get up there in that cockpit and, right, bless those pilots. And, you know, I know a lot of that is, is, is um, you know, irrational, but there's just something about being in a giant metal tube at, you know, 36,000 feet, you don't want anything to go wrong, right? I'm even a little more scared to get on a boat, not a boat like in a river, but like out in the middle of the ocean. 
I've never been on a cruise and I want to go on a cruise because I hear they're great, but I'm kind of scared too. I don't know about you, but there's, there's, there's things that, you know, are a little, a little scary, right? But this I know. I'm going to continue to get on airplanes and I'm going to continue to drive on the freeway because to get where we're going, sometimes we just got to set those reservations aside and get on the thing, right? Just got to get on the plane. You just got to get on the car and you just got to get on the freeway. Today, I want you to turn to your neighbor and look him in the eye and say, get in that ark. (laughs) Come on, turn to somebody and say, you got to get in the ark. So the first few, the first few um, teachings of Christology, we've been looking mainly at, um, you know, Genesis 1 through 5. If you've been here with us, uh, we looked at in the beginning, who is the word of God in creation? Who is it? It's Jesus Christ. He is the eternal word of God. Last Sunday, Liz alluded to it again, but Felicia taught us about, you know, that we see the one who is prophesied to crush the serpent's head, right? Who is that? And the, the skins that God covered Adam and Eve with, who does that represent? It represents Jesus, right? You know, I'm not going to teach you about it, but I, I just want to challenge you. Go back and look. Even in the story of Cain and Abel, we see Jesus Christ in the shedding of innocent Abel's blood because he gave the right kind of offering, Jesus Christ is the beginning and the end. He's all throughout the word. He is the word. And after uh, what happens with Adam and Eve, and moving forward, Cain and Abel, moving forward, uh, the best summary I could give you is that the world goes nuts. The world goes crazy. In fact, it's completely out of order and out of control and there's a couple of words God uses to describe the world. It's corrupt and it's violent. I think we're headed down that road again, right? We've been heading down that road for a long time. But let's look at today. We're going to look at Genesis 6 and 7. In fact, here's a description. If we could start with verse 5, it says that the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. It's not like they were kind of good and kind of evil. They were totally and consistently evil, completely evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I've created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. But Noah, come on somebody say, but Noah found favor with the Lord. Thank you, Noah. Let's, uh, let's go to verse 11. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. Filled with what? When we start seeing a lot of violence, we better watch out. God does not like that. God observed all this corruption in the world for everyone on the earth was corrupt. Everyone was what? Everyone was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I've decided to destroy all living creatures for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them out along with the earth. 
build a large boat or ark, okay? Ark, the word ark means a vessel that carries something important, okay? Say ark, a large boat, it says here, or ark. Hello? From cypress wood, the Lord was smart. You know what cypress wood is, right? It grows in the water, so it's waterproof, right? It's, it's, it's not going to be messed up, okay? And waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout this interior and make it 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Got to breathe, right? <laughs> Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. I highly recommend you to go visit the Ark Encounter in Kentucky. They made an, um, an exact replica of, of this, and it's, it's actually really cool. Okay, moving on. Look, I am about to cover the earth with a flood. With a what? That will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die. But I will confirm my covenant with you. Who's he talking to? He's talking to Noah. I'll, reco- I'll cover, I'll, sorry, I will confirm my covenant with you. So, this is so important. Covenant and then instruction. Okay? Covenant, a promise, and then an instruction. I'm going to confirm my covenant with you. So, Get in the ark, right? Enter the boat. You and your wife and your sons and their wives. Noah, Nama, Shem, Ham. I can't remember the rest. All of them, right? <laughs> Imagine being named Ham. Okay. Um, get in the boat, all of you. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, male and a female, Because, you know, that is what we need to procreate and continue, right? Male and female. It takes both. Just saying. Into the boat. Into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You know, when I am resurrected and with Jesus forever and ever, I'm going to ask him, why did you keep cockroaches? I mean, they, are, they do help clean up trash and stuff, but, but it says they'll be kept alive. And you, be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all the animals. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. Now let's go to chapter 7. And pardon me that I keep pausing in this stuff, but there's some very interesting things, all right? So when Noah was 600 years old, how old? I don't know about you, but did you ever read the, you know, read the beginning of Genesis and they're like 600, 700, Methuselah lived 969 years, okay? Well, scientists say, literally scientists, okay, because you know they, they always get it right, right? <laughs> no, but historical scientists or scientific historians say that before the flood, before Noah's flood, the earth was surrounded by another layer. Like now we have the ozone layer and all that, right? Another layer, which was water. 
which caused the O2 level, the oxygen level on earth to be much higher, which allowed people to live longer and certain giant reptiles to also live on the earth. Rawr, right? Dinosaurs. Okay? I just find that very interesting. The only way people could have lived that long was for bodies to be different and for certain animals to live that lived for there to be a different atmosphere because there was a different atmosphere before everything flooded, right? So Noah was how old? 600. And on the 17th day of the second month, all the underground waters erupted from the earth. Right, a lot of times we think about the flood and we just think about the rain. But it was probably more water from beneath than from above. All the water, all the, the springs, the geysers, it just, it just erupted. And then it said, and rain fell in mighty torrents from the sky. So that layer that surrounded the earth was ruptured and it, it came down. The rain continued to fall for 40 days and 40 nights. For 40 days, the floodwaters grew deeper, covering the ground and lifting the boat high above the earth. As the waters rose higher and higher above the ground, the boat floated safely on the surface. The boat floated what? The boat floated what? Safely on the surface. Finally, the water covered even the highest mountains on earth, rising more than 22 feet above Everest. If Everest was the tallest back then, we don't know. But just imagine the highest peak on earth, 22 feet above it. That's a lot of water, y'all. All the living things on earth died. You ever read a children's Noah's Ark book and it looks all fun and cute? Don't teach your children that Noah's Ark is a cute story. It's awful. All, everything died. Birds, domestic animals, wild animals, small animals that scurry along the ground, and all the people. Everything that breathed and lived on dry land died. God wiped out every living thing on earth, people, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and the birds of the sky. All were destroyed. The only people who survived. I don't know if you can see Jesus yet, but I do. The only people who survived were Noah and Nama and Ham and Shem and I think Japheth and their wives. Eight people in the boat. In the what? In the boat. Turn to your neighbor again and say, get in the ark. Just to go a little quicker than, uh, with this, because you can read the whole story on your own as you read through the Bible every day. Amen. Amen. After the earth dries, God tells Noah's family to repopulate the earth and promises to never destroy the earth again by flood. Does anybody remember what symbol God gives them to remind them of that covenant, that promise that he'll never again destroy the earth with a flood? A rainbow. Very good. Okay. So... There's a whole lot to learn from this story, right? I mean, like, there's so much in the story of the flood. But today, let's just cut straight to the chase. Is that okay? The ark is Christ. The ark is Christ. The wooden ark 
is that thing that gets us and keeps us safe. We call it the cross. Very good. Okay? The ark is Christ. The wooden ark represents the cross. And you must get in to be saved from judgment. I must get in. We must get in. Give your neighbor a little love punch. Say, get in. You've got to get in. It's not enough to look at the thing. It's not enough to contemplate it. It's not enough to know about it. You've got to get in. The ark is Christ. And if we want to be safe, we've got to get in. Only those who are in Christ, in relationship with him, inside him, you could say, are safe from the judgment that sin demands. Because it wasn't just the people in Noah's day. But according to the Bible, all of us have what? Sinned and become corrupt. But God promised he wasn't going to destroy everything again like that. This was all part of his plan to lead us into salvation from that corruption. From the judgment of sin. And the ark represents getting inside of Christ. In the same way, why are we baptizing people today? Because going under the water represents getting inside of Christ. Okay? Getting inside of him. Get in Christ. Look, Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death. Or the penalty is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through or in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The only way into life is through Jesus. The only way to get through the flood is to be inside of Christ, the ark, right? He is our salvation. Salvation is a free gift. What do we call that? Grace. Very good. It's not something we can earn. Noah didn't come up with the idea. It was grace. It was God's mercy and grace. Build an ark. I'm going to show you how, and it's going to keep you safe, right? Salvation is a free gift, but we do have to get in it. We do have to get in it. Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are where? In Christ Jesus. In other words, if we're out of Christ Jesus, therefore there is condemnation. Why? Because sin demands judgment from an all-righteous God. If there were no judgment for sin, God wouldn't be fair. He'd be treating the righteous and the unrighteous the same. Sin demands judgment, which is really bad news because we've all sinned, right? So, it's important to understand that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. What's the law of sin and death? Sin and die. Right? That's how it works. 
I mean, I know that that's a very, very summarized way to say it, but sin and die. That's what happens. When we sin, we eventually die, okay? But the, the law of the spirit of life has now set us free, but we have to be where? In Christ. We have to be in Christ because only in him is where the spirit of life is found. So salvation is a free gift, but we have to get in. Get this. Getting in the ark is actually a picture of repentance. Why? Because for Noah and his family to get in the ark, they had to make a decision to leave the world behind. Everything they knew. Everyone they knew. They had to make a conscious decision to leave the world behind. Say repentance. And they also had to completely trust that if they got in that ark, God was going to keep them safe. And this is what it looks like to come to Christ, to repent, to make a conscious decision, to leave the world behind. It doesn't mean that tomorrow I become perfect. To repent means to change my mind, to change my direction. I was going that way, and I said, nope, no more. I'm going to go this way, right? Okay? I was going away from God. Nope, I'm going to go back to God. Say repentance. But if I'm going to go this way, i got to leave that way behind. Getting in the ark is a picture of repentance and completely trusting that if I get in Christ and he gets me out there on that water, Right? I'm going to be all right. It's abandoning all attachment to the world and our own ability to save ourselves. Just think if Noah would have said, you know, I think I'll figure out another way to survive the flood. Because that's the that's thing. A lot of people, there's, there are many ways to be saved. Huh? Tell that to Noah. No, actually, tell that to all the people except Noah and his family, right? The only way for Noah and his family and the continuation of the human race to be safe was to get in the ark. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You got to get in him. We've got to be in Christ, all right? So this is so, so important. Don't just look at the ark, get in it. Don't just look at the cross, get on it. Don't just look and contemplate Christ. Throw yourself into him. Give yourself completely to him. Trust him completely and leave everything else behind, amen? And if you've not done that today, you can make that decision. You can... Leave the world behind. You can make a decision. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, what does that mean? I have to all of a sudden be good. No, but you will be. (laughs) God will help you. But it doesn't mean like, okay, now I'm going to do everything right. What it does mean is I make a conscious decision. I'm going to turn away from living a life of sin. I'm going to abandon the world. And I'm not going to think that I know any way to help myself or save myself, and I'm going to completely just abandon myself and throw myself into Christ, trusting that he will keep me safe, that he will save me. Turn to Jesus today if you haven't. Because the ark is Christ. Number two, the flood. 
is a foreshadowing of baptism. The flood is a foreshadowing of baptism. Just like getting where you have to get in Christ, it's like going under the water, right? But the flood itself is actually foreshadowing a baptism. First Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 21 say, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. Hallelujah. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. So he went and preached to those spirits in prison, those who disobeyed God long ago when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat. That is another whole story. We're not getting into that today. All right. But only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. And the water, that water is a picture of baptism. Which now saves you, not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. Do you get baptized before you have a clean conscience or after? After. It's a response to God. The water doesn't save you. It is a response to what's already happened. Right? It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Because Jesus rose from the grave, we are now saved, and now the spirit of life gives us life, right? I thank God that the earth wasn't just flooded, but it did resurrect. It came back. It was renewed, right? And just as we go under the water in baptism, we're getting into Christ. Actually, Jesus says that when he describes baptism, it's we're getting into the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're just being submerged in him into a relationship with him, right? But because Jesus was raised from the dead, we leave the world behind him. When we come up out of the water, we're resurrected to new life, right? But we leave the world under the flood. It's a picture of baptism. The flood water literally cleansed and buried sin in Noah's day, right? And then it renewed creation, okay? This is simply a picture of what happens to us in the same way water baptism is a declaration that I'm cleansed, that I'm leaving the world behind, that I'm coming to life again, that I am renewed, that I am born again, reborn, right? It's a picture of rebirth. It's almost like, and in reality, because it's God's story, the earth was born again through the flood. All of that to show us how we get born again and how baptism is a picture of that. Again, I want to be very clear. Getting in the water, being dunked and coming back up does not save you. It says I am already saved. I'm Showing the world, I'm declaring to God, to everybody, and to the devil that I no longer belong to him, that I no longer belong to the world, that I am saved. Yes, 
And I'm going to be brought safely home to God. Romans 6, 4. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Baptism only means something and it's only powerful because Jesus is alive, right? Because Jesus was resurrected and he's alive forevermore. So when I get in him, I come to life. Baptism, it's, again, just like the flood buried the old creation and then renewed it. It's a picture of us burying our past. And being renewed. It's like, the way I like to describe baptism, it's like a birth certificate. Is your birth certificate your birth or is it just declaring you were born? Right? It's the public record, right, that you were born. Baptism is the public record that you're born again. It's the birth certificate. It's going public about your decision to follow Jesus. In fact, until you are baptized, until you make the, take the step of obedience and are baptized, your Christianity is sort of a secret. It'd be like having a baby and not ever getting a birth certificate. The world doesn't even know he exists. Right? But when I step into the water of baptism and I go under and I come back up, I am declaring, I'm going public. I want everybody to know I believe in Jesus. I follow Jesus. I'm in Jesus. The question is today, are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? If not, Get in the ark. <laughs> Come to the cross. I'm going to ask just for the next two or three minutes if we could avoid getting up and down, going in and out. And I want to invite everyone just to bow your head and close your eyes. Baptism is a public declaration, but it has to start with a personal decision. Are you in Christ? If you are, and you haven't gone public through baptism, well, today, several people are going to do that. Maybe you came and you weren't even planning on getting baptized today, but you know you need to. It's okay. You'll dry off. We have extra towels. If you have decided to follow Jesus and you have not yet gone public about it, you ought to. Okay? You're invited to. Some of you may be thinking about it right now. I know that a handful of people came ready to be baptized, but maybe you didn't come ready, but you know you, right now you know that's what you need to do. But first, before we get to that, I want to make sure that everyone 
knows if you've made the decision to get in the ark or not, to come to the cross, to believe, to throw yourself into Christ Jesus, to trust him to bring you safely home to God. If you've never been born again, or if at some point in your life you made a confession of Jesus, but you know you're not following Jesus and you need to come back to God. Is that anybody in the room? Every head, every uh, bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, would you just wave at me real quick? You could just pop your hand up and down and say, that's me. I want to make sure. I want to give my life to Jesus today. Okay. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? First time or you've been backslidden and you need to come home to God. Is that anybody else? If that's you, just pop it up and down. All right. Who else says that's me? It's not about raising your hand. It's not about repeating words. It's about a decision. So let's go to the Lord all together. Maybe we could all even renew our commitment to Christ today. Let's say, Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, and if this is you for the first time or you're coming back to him, really just, again, you can use my words, you can use your words, but just give your heart to him today. Come on, let's say, Lord Jesus Christ. I believe you are the savior of the world. You came. You were born as the son of God. You lived a sinless life. And then you became sin when you went to the cross. Jesus, I believe you died for me in my place. And then you rose from the dead come on let's declare that Jesus Christ you rose from the dead you defeated sin Satan sickness and death itself Jesus I come to you I receive you I make you my Lord save me Jesus Cleanse me, wash me, forgive me, renew me. I want to be born again. Thank you, Jesus. Help me to follow you. Amen. Now, y'all, there there is no magic in those words. But if you truly get in Christ, you're saved. And if you have been, the Bible says that you've begun a new life. You're born again. Maybe you're a brand new baby. Brand new babies don't know how to live the new life. They need help, right? If you've just recently been born again, you need to get with other Christians that can disciple you, that can help you know what it is to follow Jesus. Help you take those steps. But the first step to take if you've truly made this decision, is to be baptized. So just very quickly, I just want to say this before we move on. If you made that decision today to follow Jesus or to come back to him, or you simply want to know more about what it means to follow Jesus, if you would just right now, just get out your phone, that number on the screen, same number on the magnet, just text the word Jesus. We're going to send you a video that explains more about what it means 
to be saved and what it means to follow Jesus. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.